Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to go to or the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash begant. Send messages to the show on Twitter, at go for gant also, also, you can hit us up on our website, goforgansports.com, where we continue to talk sports and have some fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former Kansas safety and NFL draft prospect, Fish Smithson. And uh, he's going to be joining us to talk about his prep for the upcoming NFL draft. Also, Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild is going to come on through. We're going to talk about that final four. You know, we got to sneak in a little NBA talk as well. But we're going to talk about the final four. They're out there in Phoenix. So we'll talk to him about that. So we got a great show and we got a short time to get there. So let's get there. So, final four is upon us it is coming it is here tomorrow out there in phoenix arizona you got the zags of gonzaga against south carolina you know cinderella story in a lot of ways many people didn't expect them to be here and then you got unc in oregon unc making a return trip to the final four losing last year in the championship game in heartbreaking fashion. They lost tough, man. That was tough the way they lost. You know, Villanova hitting that big-time shot. So that was a tough one. That was most definitely a tough one. But North Carolina's back. Another opportunity for them to win a title, win a national title. Another opportunity for Roy Williams to win a national title. So it's a good opportunity and a good time to be North Carolina. So this is going to be fun. Final Four is going to be fun. Obviously, South Carolina, kind of Cinderella-like story in a lot of ways. And we all love a Cinderella story. I think everybody loves a Cinderella story. I mean, the seventh seed, South Carolina. You know, what they had to do to get here was amazing. First and foremost, the way they ended the regular season was not very good. You know, what, losing five out of the final seven games? That's not good. And that's not a good way to end your season. But then you come into this tournament, you dispatch the 10th seed at Marquette, you know, you beat them by 20, and then you go through the gauntlet on some level. Second seed at Duke, third seed at Baylor, and then fourth seed at Florida. You go through that, 
and then you get where you want to go, and that is to the final four. Cinderella's Thornwell, what a beast. I mean, we didn't really know about Cinderella's until this tournament. And this tournament has a way of making names for a lot of guys. Has a way of helping guys vault up the NBA draft board. This this has that that has that way. This tournament is like that. And so South Carolina's here, but they're playing Gonzaga. And the thing about Gonzaga is over the years, what they've been here, what, 18, 18 years straight, 18 straight years, something like that. Over the years, we've always looked at Gonzaga as Cinderella. Not anymore. This program is legit. This program is big time. And this program is in the Final Four for the first time. Both of these teams are here for the first time. But they're both two newbies. Newbies. But this Gonzaga team, they're big time. They're legit. They're real. Got a lot of size, too. Most definitely got a lot of size. And, you know, you, you look at Gonzaga. They got here beating Xavier. They beat Xavier pretty easily. West Virginia was a tough one. That was a game that easily could have lost. And then, you know, Northwestern, a game they were in control in throughout. You know, Northwestern had a couple moments here, had a couple moments there. But you knew Gonzaga was in control. And I know we could talk about that controversial, you know, non-goaltending call, the call that wasn't made. But I think at the end of the day, Gonzaga would have won that basketball game. I, I, you know, Northwestern, a good basketball team, but they're not as good as Gonzaga. And so ultimately, Gonzaga get, he got here and got here for the first time. And, and then Mark Field. I mean, we this guy and the program that he's built out there in Gonzaga is, is absolutely amazing. A guy... And Mark Few, who, you know, the fastest, what, third fastest guy to 500 victories. That tells you a lot, man. That that tells you a guy that gets it done. That tells you and shows you a guy who's big time. He's a big time coach. He's a most definitely a big time coach. And he's most definitely built a big time program. So kudos to Mark Few out there in Gonzaga. South Carolina is interesting. They're hot. They're a hot basketball team. And in and a one-and-done type of situation, you like hot. You, you, you like a basketball team that's, that's flowing. You like a basketball team that's going. You like a basketball team that's on fire. And this South Carolina team is on fire. They're hot, piping hot right now. And so you like that. You most definitely like that. But we'll see what happens tomorrow. It's going to be fun. It's most definitely going to be fun. And then that nightcap, Oregon and UNC, North Carolina. Again, North Carolina back to the Final Four. You know, that's going to be fun. That's going to be another fun game. Oregon might get up and down the court a little bit. They're a fun team to watch. North Carolina, also a fun team to watch. And North Carolina, also a basketball team that, you know, Big time. They're a big time team. And there are a reason. There's a reason why they're here. They are the number one seed. There's a reason 
why they are the number one seed. There's no doubt about there's a reason for that. Most definitely a reason that why they're the number one seed. They're big time. They're a big time basketball team. And Luke May hit that big time shot against Kentucky. That was fun. That was fun. That was really fun. That was a whole lot of fun. You know, obviously, you have two big-time programs in Kentucky and North Carolina. Anytime you have those two going up against each other, it's fun. You know, historic programs. It's great for college basketball. So, and, and you got a great game, and then ultimately you got a classic ending. That number two has struck again and has hurt Kentucky basketball one more time. It's amazing. That's it's just amazing. It's amazing that Luke May happens to wear number 32. It's amazing based on what we saw from Christian Laettner and that amazing shot. Maybe one of the most amazing shots in the history of college basketball. Maybe. I'm not saying it is legitimately. But, I mean, that, that was a big-time shot. But we're going to bring in a guy now who knows a lot about college basketball, knows a lot about these basketball teams. Let's bring him in now. He's out there in Phoenix at the Final Four. Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Marlon. Oh, what's up, buddy? How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. And you know, enjoying this hot weather that Phoenix has to offer. I'm not used to this, man. So, you know, I, I can enjoy it for a little bit, but then I gotta get out. I was in Phoenix this summer, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. So Let's get right down to it, man. I mean, a lot of great basketball games tomorrow, two to be exact, obviously. But we look at these two games. Obviously, let's start with South Carolina and Gonzaga. We look at South Carolina, Sindarius Thornwell, a guy who many really didn't know a lot about before this tournament. But how impressed have you been with his play? Oh, you know what? I I wouldn't say impressed. I mean – this is what this is what he could do all along. Uh, you know, if you looked at him in AAU when he played with uh, Team United on the Nike circuit, you knew that there was something there. Uh, you know, now he he was overshadowed, you know, by some guys. You know, Kennedy Meeks and a couple other guys played on that AAU team. And I, I think, you know, what he's doing now is something that he's done all year. But now that it's on a bigger scale, people are starting to, to take notice. Uh, you know, I, I think he's Frank Martin's kind of kid, you know, that has some toughness to him, you know, that, that'll be able to withstand whatever you throw at him. And, and what you're seeing now, it, it's really just a great run by not only him, but just South Carolina as a whole. Uh, you know, I, I know how many brackets there are out there, and I can guarantee you that, you know, folks down in South Carolina probably didn't have a Gamecock making it to this weekend, but you know, it's just a great story for college basketball, um, you know, with what they've been able to achieve this, and you with look, this run. And you look at South Carolina, beat the second seed, beat the third seed, and then beat the fourth seed out there. I mean, you look at them, they seem like they're a hot basketball rate team. It seems like they found something. What do you see from South Carolina? Uh, you know, I, I just see a team that resembles – their coach, you know, toughness and, and hard work, you know, will you'll be successful every time. 
Uh, you know, it, it's a team that, besides Darius Thornwell, you probably couldn't name somebody else on that roster. But there are guys on that roster that will one day be making money. You know, P.J. Dozier is a great was a great commit for them. Uh, you know, D.J. Mackey's young youngest son is on that team. You know, so it, it's really just a team of guys that on their shoulders. You know, and, and like I said, it, it's just great to see for college basketball and basketball as a whole because it shows that if you do put the hard work in, you can be rewarded. And, you know, you look at those guys and, and they, they're being rewarded for, for this run that they're on right now. And, and I know, you know, Frank Martin gets a bad rap for the way he looks when he's on the court, but I can guarantee you off the court, all those guys love him. And, you know, you're seeing that with their play right now. We're talking to Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. So, Marlon, we look at Gonzaga, and I look at Gonzaga, and I look at their coach, Mark Few. I mean, it's so much success there. Third fastest coach to 500 wins. I mean, what, 18 straight years in the tourney? I mean, just an absolute amazing run by Mark Few and Gonzaga. Talk about what Mark Few has done at Gonzaga. He's been able to do things his way, uh, especially in a business where, you know, you look at other programs and you say to yourself, okay, I know what they're doing over there to get this guy, that guy, that guy. Really hear that about Gonzaga, you know, or or you don't hear it at all. Um, You know, their roster is made up of guys that fit their system. You know, it it might not be – three-star, four-star, five-star recruit, but it's somebody that fits Mark Few's system. And, and those guys know what they like and what they look for in players. And, and you know, I, I compare it to how John Beeline recruits. John Beeline doesn't necessarily recruit the four-star, five-star kid, but he recruits a guy that can play his system. And, and that's what you see with Gonzaga. Uh, you know, they, they've done a good job. With, with the transfer route, obviously getting to the Nigel Williams guards, uh, getting the young man from Missouri. So, you know, they've been able to get some transfers here and there in, in addition to the guys that they have. I mean, you look at a guy like Josh Perkins coming out of high school. Josh Perkins could have gone to any high major school he wanted to go to, and he chooses Gonzaga. So I think that's be highly for Gonzaga. It's highly for the guys that they recruit. Those guys know what they look for in a program, know what they like, and, you know, it's just good to see. Talking to a Ryder University assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill. So let me ask you this. How do you see this thing playing out? Gonzaga, South Carolina, who gets it done? Uh, tough one, but I, I'm going to have to go with the Gamecocks. Uh, okay. the, the way they're playing right now, that toughness factor that, that they have, you know, and they've been battle-tested. I know Gonzaga catches a bad rap because of the conference that they play in and, and you know, besides St. Mary's and, and the BYU that they're not really tested. I think that shows its head uh, Saturday. So I, I got a South Carolina winning that first game. So let's go to the nightcap now. I look at North Carolina – and I look at their point guard situation, Joel Berry may not be 100%. He is a big part of what they do. Talk about 
Barry and what he means to UNC? It means everything to them, but I look at it, you know, March 31st to April 2nd, everybody's banged up, you know. So you kind of just suck it up and say, hey, I'm on this national stage. Uh, and let's not forget, Joel Barry remembers what happened last, what happened last year. So sure. I don't think those ankles are going to matter. You know, as a player, once you get that adrenaline going and you're in front of that crowd, you forget that you're hurt. And it's all about, all right, I'm putting on my shoes the same way these other guys are putting on their shoes. And, you know, let's go to war and get ready and see what happens. How much does last year matter? North Carolina going to the Final Four, ultimately going to the championship game and losing to Villanova. How much does that experience help North Carolina this time around? Oh, I think it keeps something in their mind uh, because you're looking at last year. They should have won. You know, Marcus Page's shot was great. Chris Jenkins just hit a better shot. So I, I think with a team like that, you know, when you get there, when you're when you're that close to, to the mountaintop and you have somebody knock you back down, you know what it takes to get there. So I, I think all year they've only had one goal in mind, national championship. So you, you look at them losing in the ACC tournament, that didn't mean nothing to them, or as much. I shouldn't say nothing. didn't mean as much. They had one goal in mind, and that was winning the national championship. You know, uh, shot they hit the other day against Kentucky, great shot. But their mindset has been one thing since last season ended, and that's getting back to the national championship game and getting over that hump. And that's where they're at right now, back in the Final Four, and we'll see if they can get over that hump. So – do they get over that hump? Who wins this game and why? Uh, I w- I'm going to say Carolina. And that's not to take anything away from Oregon, you know, because the way that they're playing, I, I really thought that they were dead in, in the war losing uh, Boucher. I-, I thought they were done. Uh, but now Tyler Dorsey is playing – right now the way he played this summer going into his senior year uh, on the AAU circuit. You know, just taking names and faces, put in front of me, I'm going to destroy it. And, and as a coach, you love that because you know when they, when he steps out, when that guy steps out on that floor, he's got my back, I got his. And, and it's almost one of those things where you can probably watch their coaching staff tomorrow. And I can guarantee you, Dana Altman is 100% behind his team where he knows he doesn't have to do a lot of coaching because he knows Tyler Dorsey is going to do what, what he needs to do to get them over this hump. Those other guys, Dylan Brooks is a stud. Um, but I, I think for them, Carolina might, might be a different animal. Uh, Saturday night, and it's unfortunate because the way Oregon has played, you know, they're another team. I think the way last season ended for them, they only had one goal in mind, and that was national championship. Unfortunately, they ran into the other team that's thinking the same way. So obviously, at this point, you have South Carolina, North Carolina, in 
the championship game about the Battle of the Carolinas. Who wins it all? Uh, this sounds crazy. I'm going with the Gamecocks. Okay. I'm going with, with the Gamecocks. For me, toughness goes a long way. If you have talent and, and toughness, that gets you over the hump. And, and they defend like nobody's business. Uh, you know, I watch them on their rotations on defense, and it, it's top-notch, almost intimidating. Uh, and, and the only other team that, I, that I've seen this year play defense at a high level at South Carolina is West Virginia. And I, it, it's no coincidence that Bob Huggins and, and Frank Martin work together. Um, you know, defense wins championships. Defense travels. So I'm going to go with the Gamecocks and Mary Cuffins on a defensive level. And then ironically, if you look at it, West Virginia easily could have took out Gonzaga in this tournament. So kind of interesting. So let me ask you this. I mean, switching gears kind of, who has been the best player in this tournament? Uh, oh. I I gotta I gotta put Thornwell above Tyler Dorsey. Not by a lot though. Uh, you know Tyler Dorsey's been great, averaging twenty plus points on this run that Oregon's on. But I looked at what Thornwell brings to that South Carolina roster. Uh, you take him off that roster. And they're nowhere near as good as they are. And, and ironically, you, you look at the games where he was suspended this year and they struggled. You know, I, I think if you take Dorsey off of Oregon, they'll struggle, but not as much because you still have uh, Brooks, you still have Ennis uh, to, to supplement w what you wouldn't get fr from Dorsey. So, you know, I, I got to give Thornwell the, the edge. You know, if he's playing with a toughness right now, that's unbelievable. Uh, he knows that he's the best player when he walks on the floor. And, and sometimes, you know, I was just talking with another coach about this. You know, if you give a kid swag and he has games, because nowadays a lot of kids just have swag, but they don't have a game. But if you give a kid that has swag and game and put that together, that's a dangerous combination. And I think that dangerous combination is equivalent to Cinderella's going well. So let me ask you this now. I mean, there has been a lot of talk. Fultz, Markel Fultz out there in Washington, Lonzo Ball, UCLA. You know, which one do you take? You're a general manager. For me, I look at it this way. I kind of think it's based on the type of team that you have. From my standpoint, if I look at it from the Sixers' perspective, being that they're going to have a Ben Simmons type of player who is going to play a little power, who's going to play a little uh, uh, guard as point guard, so point forward, if you will. If I'm the Sixers, I'm thinking more faults. If I'm the Celtics, I'm thinking more faults. But you can also look at it, if you're the Celtics, you can kind of have ball if he can guard the two a ball Isaiah Thomas situation as well. So, I don't know. But let me ask you this. Who would you pick, Fultz or Ball, if you had the choice? Well, first, I, I love how you just threw the 
Sixers in there uh, <laughs> having that pick. Uh, you, you know, if you ask me, I'm hoping the Knicks have that pick. <laughs> and, and we don't find a way to screw it up. But uh, to, to answer your question, I, I'm going to go with folks. And the reason being, you know, with everything, Lonzo Ball has been great this year. You know, I can't take anything away from him, uh, what he did this season. You know, even the antics that his dad does, you know, off the court, I can get past that. The one thing I can't get past is the way he acted after the Kentucky game. You know, it's like he didn't care, you know. Uh, and I know how reporting can be after a game, you know, you know, but that's why they give you the ten minute cool down period to get your right. thoughts together. Uh, but for him to answer, you know, hey, I'm going to the NBA, it's like, dude, you weren't even concerned about this game that you just had. So with that, you know, I, I would question, like, okay, is it about Lonzo Ball or is it about, you know? So that that would be a concern for me. Uh, but you know, not to take anything away from him. On the basketball court, he, he was great this whole year. You know, that, like I said, the circus he's been able to handle with his dad has been great. But that really stuck out to me because you fast forward 48 hours later when Kentucky loses, and you know we've all seen uh, Darren Fox and right. Bam out of Bayou in, in tears. You know, and that showed me it meant something to them. The game meant something to them. Uh, I don't know what it means to Lonzo Ball yet. And that, that's why I would have to go with Fultz. Um, you, you know, Fultz is just a guy that, like you said, depending on who has that pick, Fultz can play both on and off the ball. So whereas I think Ball really needs the ball in his hands, um, with Fultz, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And he's a winner. Here's a guy that had to work for everything. You know, this is a guy that, that was cut from his varsity team uh, early on in his career and had to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to get better. I'm going to put the hours in. And, you know, look at what he ended up doing. And doing that at the Mapper High School where you're playing against top-notch competition for sure. every night isn't easy. Uh, you know, and, and I know another knock on Lonzo Ball would be, well, he's playing California. California basketball might not be the same as uh, East Coast basketball, which I don't think is fair, but, you know, there, there are some people that think that. So, you know, with that being said, just to go back to your question, I, I, I'd probably go with folks, but it also depends on what the team needs, too. Definitely. You know, if, if you're the Sixers and, and you have a Ben Simmons in place, you know, you don't want to ruffle that feather a, a little bit, you know, because he's already looking at a contract in two years. You know, even though he, he'll only have been in the NBA for one year, his contract here is the following year already. So then you got to worry about keeping him happy. So, you know, I, I, w- I would take folks. So let me ask you this before we get out of here. Um, Scotty Pippen recently, you know, the great Scotty Pippen, Hall of Famer Scotty Pippen who Phil Jackson coached many moons ago out there in Chicago, who Phil Jackson won six championships with out there in Chicago. 
Scotty Pippen says it's time for Phil Jackson to go. Do you agree with that? Hey, Scotty Pippen ain't saying nothing different than what we've been saying in New York for two years. So <laughs> why it would come as a surprise to people because it's Scotty? Let's, let's remember this. Phil don't have the best relationship. You know, we go to that 94 series against the Knicks. That play was drawn up for Tony Kukoc. I, you can't tell me Scottie Pippen hadn't forgot about that. Uh, you know, the, the way Phil treated him with those mind games early on, you know, people will say that the Bulls got better once Scottie blocked out the Detroit Pistons and, and their mind tricks. Well, Phil Jackson's mind tricks, once he blocked that out as well, I, I think we saw Scotty excel. Uh, but, you know, as a basketball fan, we all know what the problem is. And, you know, Scotty's one, you know, has never bitten his tongue in his career. And, and why bite it now? You know, it's like a, a parent, you know. They don't tell you what you want to hear. They tell you the truth. They right. still love you, but they're, they're telling you the truth. And, and I think Scotty's just speaking the truth. And, and sometimes you need that. And, and I'll say this, Scotty, like I said earlier, you ain't saying nothing different than what we said the past two years, man. So, you know, w welcome aboard. <laughs> and, and so, obviously, time will be the judge of whether or what the Knicks will do this summer in terms of Phil Jackson and everything, Mellow, for that matter. They do have a first-round pick, which is good in 2017. That's a good thing. They haven't had that in a little bit, so they, they got that. So, I mean, it's hopefully it's the first pick. If it's the first pick, we're jumping for joy. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and, and you know what? At the end of the day, it's better than Brooklyn's situation. <laughs> I mean, I will say that. that. So that's a good thing, I guess. No, nah. nah, true, true, true. I, I, I have no idea what, what Brooklyn is doing right now. Uh, but I, I work at Ryder, so I, I can't <laughs> speak on anybody's situations you know i can only talk about my own but uh for sure. you know it, it's a little tricky for, for brooklyn right now I, I i saw the other night they were giving court size seats for 15 dollars, and i still would go that's pretty good I, I think i might go for 15. yeah i think i'll pass, I think I'll pass. <laughs> all right so you're out there are, are you going to the game no nah, my, my time is up here in, in phoenix uh you know, you taught me this a long time ago, man. When you get married, whatever your wife says goes. So my wife gave me from Wednesday, and she said, your butt better be back here Saturday. So I, I have, in the words of Sidney Dean and white men can't jump, I'm going to listen to the woman. For sure. Never go wrong there. Never go wrong for the most part. When it's time to go, it's time to go. Time to go, yes. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your time out there in Phoenix. Have fun. Not too much fun, of course. And let's do this thing again. As always, man, I appreciate you having me. Take care. Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild. Pleasure talking to him about the Final Four and all the great things going out there, going on out there in Phoenix. Fun talking to him as as always we look at now kevin durant interesting 
thing today. He was talking to um, Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons podcast. Um, talked about at one point, at one time, the first diagnosis they got was that he broke his leg, fractured his tibia. And so the thought process was at that point in time, initially, Kevin Durant was going to be out for the year. And what a blow that would have been. I know Golden State's playing some good basketball right now, winning nine in a row, including going into San Antonio, winning there. And obviously this is all without Kevin Durant, without the services of Kevin Durant. But I will say this. I will say this. They dodged a bullet. <laughs> they most definitely dodged a big-time bullet because Kevin Durant not being there, they couldn't win it. They could, they could not win it. They could not beat the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series. And they're going to have a difficult time beating the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series with a healthy Kevin Durant. Most definitely they are. So they need Kevin Durant. They need the services of Kevin Durant desperately. And the thing is, the reality is, when you made that move to get Kevin Durant, obviously you broke down your team. You got rid of key parts, key pieces that helped you win 73 games, that helped you win a championship the year before, and that helped you get back to the NBA Finals and helped you build a 3-1 lead. So they gave up a lot. Barnes, Bogut, Barbosa, Spates, all key pieces, all guys who contributed, all guys who were a part of them winning an NBA title. They got rid of those guys. And obviously, you're going to get rid of a lot of guys in order to get the services of Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant's a special player. He's special. Maybe, you know, second best player in this game. So obviously, the Golden State Warriors dodged a huge, huge bullet. And now we'll see what happens with them moving forward. It seems like they're poised and primed to get back to the NBA Finals. And oh, by the way, they won 160-plus games again. So it's like we kind of forget, you know, obviously they won 73 a year the year before, but 60 games is 60 games. And that's not a hard thing to do. I mean, excuse me, that's not an easy thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. It's not, it doesn't come naturally to win. You know, it doesn't happen all the time where you're winning 60-plus games. But they done it. They did it again. And it should have happened. It's kind of expected with all the talent that they have on that roster. But, you know, obviously they won again, 60-plus, you know, after winning 73. So it's obviously a huge accomplishment out there in Golden State. We can talk about now, and we're going to go to – well, let's talk to, about Russell Westbrook. We, we had Oscar Robertson coming out today saying, you know what? Russell Westbrook should be the MVP. He also said that he wants Russell Westbrook to break his triple-doubles record, 41 in a single season, 61-62 NBA season. Westbrook is at 38, probably going to get it. It's going to at least tie it, might even surpass it. I think he probably is going to surpass it. But you look at Oscar Robertson. Oscar Robertson is saying what I what I believe. Westbrook is the MVP of this league. There's no way, no how, that you can win or, excuse me, average a triple-double. He averaged a triple-double. He's going to average a triple-double. That has not been done in a long, long time. 
what, so what, 38, 48, about 55 years. That's a long time. 50 plus years since anybody has averaged a triple double for a season. It was considered an unbreakable record. No one didn't think anybody would be able to, would be able to do it. And if we thought someone would be able to do it, one point we probably thought it would have been, would have been LeBron James because he has that skill set. But Westbrook, man, after last season where he had that you know that, that triple double run and you know he had a bunch of triple doubles last season. Coming into this year, you know it was a possibility, but you didn't think it was necessarily going to happen. You knew the possibility existed, but you didn't think it was going to happen. And it did. It, it did. I mean, for him to do what he did, for, for, you know, for him to do what he's doing, it's amazing. It's amazing a, a, a guy – putting up the type of numbers that he's putting up 57 points the other night. I mean, and they needed each and every one part of, you know, every, they needed every single point of that 57 in order to win that game, hit that big time three pointer to get him into overtime and continue to do big time things in that overtime period. He's a guy who's doing what he has to do to help his team win. He, that's what he's doing, man. He's doing what he has to do. Westbrook is doing that, and he's doing it. You know, he's getting guys involved. He's scoring the basketball when he needs to. Rebounding the basketball, which is a huge part, a huge part of defense. That ends the possession. You getting that rebound ends the possession and starts you going on your possession. So I think at this point in time, it's not like the it's not like OKC stinks. Twelve games over five hundred at this point, and if they got eight games left, if they were going to go seven and one to finish the season, they would be at fifty. Tall order, obviously. Probably won't happen. Just look if I if I look at their final games, they got the Spurs tonight, and that's of course. It's not going to be easy. We all know who the Spurs are, and we all know what the Spurs have done. After that, Charlotte at home, Milwaukee at home, and they go on a four-game road trip, Memphis, Phoenix, Denver, Minnesota, and then they finish the season at Denver. I don't see 7-1 there, but I don't know. I guess anything is possible. But I don't see 7-1, but I do see – in a lot of ways, I do see this team, OKC. Well, let me say, before I get to that, I do see, as much as I think Westbrook is the MVP, I think James Harden's going to get it because his team has a better record, because his team, you know, top three team in the Western Conference, I think that's going to mean something. James Harden, big time year. You know, putting up big-time numbers. His numbers are ridiculous. His, his numbers are absolutely ridiculous. You know, eight rebounds a game, 11 assists, 29 points per. The numbers are ridiculous. And his team, 51 wins at this point, 
they're playing some big time basketball unexpectedly. You know, not many people expected the Houston Rockets to be what they are at this point in time. But I look at James Harden and I compare him to uh, Russell Westbrook. To me, I don't think there is, it's tough. It's tough, but history, the historic nature of what he is doing. I mean, what he is doing is amazing. What what Westbrook is doing is amazing. Like, he's averaging a triple-double. Averaging a triple-double. Triple-double. A triple-double, man. 50-plus years. Unbreakable record. I mean... Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. An amazing, amazing run for Russell Westbrook. An amazing run for James Harden, too. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But history, history, history has to mean something. History has to mean something. For what he's done, Westbrook, I mean, it's amazing. Guys don't do what he has done. Scottie Pippen called it maybe the greatest season he's ever seen. And I think, you know, from the time I've been watching basketball, I don't think I've ever seen a guy we haven't. We have not seen a guy dominate the basketball game the way Westbrook has in all different facets of the game. I mean, rebounds. I mean, first and foremost, he's leading the league in in points. Second, not only is he leading the league in points, but he's also averaging 10 assists a game. Next. He is top 11, number 11th in rebounds. Number 11 in rebounds. I mean, that's ridiculous, man. That's that's ridiculous. You know, dude's 11th in rebounds. He's a guard, a point guard. That's 11th in rebounds. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. 6-3 guard. We're not talking a 6-9 guard. We're talking a 6-3 guard. So, to me, for me, I look at Westbrook, and I look at what he's done. That's enough for me to, for, that's enough in my opinion, for him to win the MVP. And here's the thing. I've been on record as saying this from the jump. If this dude finishes the year averaging a triple-double, there is no way, no way, he can, you've got to give him the MVP. If that's the case, he's got to get the MVP award. 
No doubt about it. He's got to. And I think, well, time will be the judge of this, and we'll see what happens. But I think he's done enough. I, I think he's done enough. But I don't think he's going to get it. I think James Harden is going to get it. I don't agree with it. I think I can make a compelling argument against it. I think I have. But I think James Harden's going to get it. You know, in the MVP, historically in the NBA, best player, best team, more often than not. Steph Curry won it two years in a row, best player on the best team. You know, and, and that's what you usually get with this MVP award, best player on the best team or one of the best teams. And so, obviously, OKC doesn't register as one of the best teams in basketball. They don't. They register as a, as a good basketball team, but not one of the best teams in basketball. So, something to think about moving forward. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference Hello? to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success Fish? against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... What, man? I just don't see mean. anything in the playoffs time. When the oh, playoffs man. come, it's not anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. <laughs> come on, man. So we can get I'm you on about 30 too, seconds man. you're good. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you right. can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Go for it. Paul Gann here, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're going to bring the guy now, preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. It's real close, man. Real, real close. April 27th, out there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The great city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And this guy hopes to be a part of that, maybe not in the first round, maybe not in the second round, but hopefully at some point in some time, he hopes to hear his name. Let's bring him in now. Former Kansas safety, Fish Smithson. Fish. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Let me ask you this. How'd you get the nickname Fish? Uh, the, my nickname Fish originally uh, came from uh, my grandmother. Um, okay. My hometown is uh, Baltimore, Maryland. So uh, she gave me my nickname when I was young, and it kind of just stuck with me throughout my whole life. All right. All right. You like it? Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. Because okay. every, every time somebody calls me Fish, it just makes me um, it just makes me remind myself of her. For sure. So, so let me ask you this now. You had your pro day a couple weeks back out there in Kansas. You had the fastest 40 time at that Kansas pro day. But overall, were you happy with your performance at the pro day? 
Um, uh, of course, of course, I'm I'm a Nick pick, you know, as as some things because I think that's what all athletes do. They always, you know, we always try to get better uh, in certain areas. Um, but I I, I I'm really uh, comfortable, you know, and, and excited with what I what I did. Uh, that's where my position worked. I feel like I showed a lot of things that um, I answered a lot of questions that you know was unanswered. Uh, so I showed you know good hips and you know I can you know go get the ball. Uh, so I'm you know just thankful and blessed. So you felt like you did everything that you needed to do at that particular pro day? Yes, yes, I did. Um, okay. Of course, unfortunately, I didn't, you know, get the, you know, combine invite. Um, but I feel like I went out there and, you know, showed my skills at pro day. Were you disappointed at not getting that combine invite? Of course, of course, I was. You know, as a pattern, you feel like you're the best, you know, in the country at what you do. Um, so I was, you know, disappointed, but at the same time, I just looked at, you know, as pro day, it's my opportunity, you know, to show what I can do. So um, that's how I looked at it. So let me ask you this. Obviously, the 4-5-140, obviously you ran that. But what was your fastest uh, 40 time during your practice runs? Oh, I was running, you know, 4-4, four, 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 so it was like 4-4-6 four, four, and 4-4-5, four, four, like laser, laser time. So um, that's what we were training for for like the combine. So that I had in my mind if I was going to go to the combine, I was going to run one of the fastest for you. So um, then we then we came out here and um, you know not making you know excuses or anything, but uh, you know the weather got away, so we actually moved it to our indoor facility. Indoor wasn't you know so good, and uh, the times didn't come out you know as I wanted it. Um, but but like I said, I, I went out there did you know best I could. So uh, I guess I'm I'm satisfied with the four five one. We're talking to former Kansas safety Fish Smithson. And so one thing that they talk about when they talk about Fish Smithson is your tackling ability. You led the Big 12 in tackles back in 2015. Talk about your ability to, to, to tackle, your tackling ability. Uh, actually, that, that that grown on me uh, since my, my sophomore year. So the last two seasons, I did rack up a lot of tackles. Um, but I just think that that just came from practice. I was defensive coordinator, uh, Clint Bond. He was real big on, you know, coming down to the near hip and make sure, you know, squaring your feet and then just exploding through tackles. Uh, so I just, just think that just came from a lot of practicing. Okay. Now, some people have talked about your tackling ability in a negative sense. I mean, saying that you're not finishing tackles. How do you respond to that? Um. I, I can't really. Uh, okay. I mean, I can't, you know, sit here and make, make excuses. Uh, what I put out on film, um, that's how they're going to view me, view me as. Right. So uh, I can't really right. say anything about it until, you know, September or August once we put the pads back on for the next level. Um, so I think that's going to be my response to that. Do you feel like for the most part you, you, you've answered that question on your film? Yes, yes. Um, my, my junior year has, you know, over like 100 tackles led the nation like solo tackles and last season I had like like ninety three and four somewhere around there. Uh so I feel like you know I had made enough tackles where so they can see me, you know, finishing most of them. And so now we talk about you and obviously we gotta talk about your nose for the ball. Four picks last season at the free safety spot. Talk about your coverage ability. Oh man, I, I think I think that's that's what I do best. Uh, you know, since I committed to Kansas, I kind of, you know, made myself a all-around safety, I would say, um, with adding, you know, the tackling to, to my ability. Uh, but 
that's kind of what you know I like to do is you know be a ball hog back there. Uh, I played at junior college, you know, before I went to KU, and you know I led the nation in interceptions like eight picks in my first year, um, making a switch from offense to safety. Uh, so that that's one thing that, that I love to do back there is go get the go get the ball. For sure. So uh, another question that that people may have about you is your size, 5'11", 190 pounds. How do you answer the size question? Oh, you, I, I am what I am. Uh, okay. I am what I am. Uh, measured, measured in that pro day, like uh, actually 5'10 and a half, 5'10 and a half and uh, two, 201 pounds. Uh, so that was that was my measurement. So I am what I am. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna get any taller. Fighting, I hope any shorter. Uh, <laughs> but I just see a lot of a lot of players in the league. You know that that's my size, and some some of them smaller. That's out there balling. So I ain't, I ain't got no excuse for that, man. At the end of the day, it's either you're gonna perform and get a job done, or you're not. And, and you feel like you can get the job done. Yes, yes, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> so your brother, Shaky Smithson who went yeah. through draft process, played in the NFL. How much has he helped you through this whole process? Uh, more more than anybody can imagine. Man. I've, I've been in his hip, you know, since I was young, eight, nine years old, and I kind of lived the experience, you know, through him, through this whole process. Doing football at Utah, uh, seeing him, you know, late nights and early mornings with, you know, study hall and strength and conditioning and, and all that stuff, and then making a jump to the next level with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I kind of, you know, was inside the facility, you know, met Iron Rodgers, met, you know, like Greg Jennings and some of Donald Driver, some some of those players, Randall Cobb. So it was just a good experience, you know, just being able to be around the NFL world without even being an NFL player. And how much, did that benefit, how much does that benefit you now? I mean, being around facilities, yeah. being around NFL players, how much of it is that a benefit to you now? It, it benefited me tremendously because now I know that it, it's just it's it's more so you know a business and it's about you know getting your job done and making sure you know you performing on the field and doing everything you can to perform on the field. Because um, because when he was coming out, he didn't have you know he was the he was the leader of our family like he the one that graduated and he was like kind of the experiment. So he didn't the only thing he seen about the NFL was moves on TV. And we, as as we know, uh, some of that stuff, you know, all that stuff is really not true. A lot of people see the glamour and, uh, you know, things like that as NFL players, but they don't know, you know, the first couple of years is, is rough, you know, as a rookie. You know, even financially, it's not, you know, the right. best. You know, you're well off, but it's not, you know, the best. So those are the kind of things that just help me, uh, like, mentally, you know, as far as, like, you know, the financial side and, you know, the work ethic, you know, your eating habits, you know, just training to be a pro. For sure. So, Shaky essentially raised you. So, obviously, he was kind of like a father figure for you in a lot of ways, correct? Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, actually, I moved I moved to Utah when I was 15, 16 years old, like my sophomore year of high school. Uh, and that's when we, st- we started living together. And uh, he, he grew up, he grew up at a, at a young age, you know, he had to take on some big responsibilities. Um, so that's why you know I can't can't thank him enough. Uh, so so yeah, he kind of he kind of did you know raise me and show me the way. And you look at your childhood. Obviously, you had a rough one. I mean, you know, you and your siblings were kind of separated because of your family situation. How tough was that for you? 
Oh man, that was that was very that was very tough. Uh, that probably was probably the toughest thing um, that that happened to me throughout my life. Being away from you know all my sisters, uh, just because we're all so close. You know, it's eight of us total, and uh, four boys, four girls. But um, despite us being you know separated throughout our family, we all you know stay close. Like I talk to talk to my family like every day. Uh, I can't go a couple of days, you know, just without talking to them, um, just because you know how close we are. For sure, that, that's got to be a good thing, man. I'm, I, I come from a family of six, so I, I know you know having a large family yeah. and everything. It's cool. It's it's a lot of fun, especially when you get older. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> We're talking to former Kansas safety Fish Smithson. So let me ask you this: End of the day, why should anybody give Fish Smithson an opportunity in the F, in the NFL? Uh, because I feel like uh, I'm a prototype, prototype safety. Uh, I can tackle, uh, I can cover, you know, tight ends, receivers. Uh, I, I got good speed. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a smart player. Also, I'm going to be a, be a team leader. Uh, I was a captain on every football team I ever played on, you know, since Little League, uh, two-year captain at Kansas. Uh, never been in trouble off the field. No police uh, history, anything like that. And, and I just know what it what it takes, you know, you know, to win. So I'm ready for it. So let me ask you this now. I mean, the reports I'm seeing, you could go in the sixth, seventh round, also could go undrafted. What are you hearing? Um, I'm kind of hearing everything. I actually I heard some stuff, you know, third round, uh, fourth okay. round, uh, fifth round. Uh, kind of it, it's kind of just fluctuating uh, everywhere. Um, but but at the end of the day, I feel like you know I'm I'm the best safety in this draft, so uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter you know where where I get picked up. Of course, I want to go early, um, but at the end of the day, we got to go to camp and we got to put the pads on. For sure, for sure. So, what's next for you? I mean, pro day's done. You know, are you have any individual workouts lined up at this point? Uh, actually, I had. To, I was going to go to the Ravens local day, but I didn't end up uh, staying here uh, in Kansas. So I'm at, I'm at Kansas now, and I just got to finish up a couple classes here at KU um, so I can, you know, graduate and get my degree in May. For sure. That's a good thing. No doubt about it. So, Fish, absolute pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, thank you. Former Kansas safety, Fish Smithson, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Well, we're out of time here. I want to thank everybody for joining us. I want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by. I also want to thank Fish Smithson for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. Also, you can send, you know, go to the website. Go for it, Gant Sports.com. Go for it, Gant Sports.com. G O F O R I T G A N T Sports.com to support all the great things going on. Paul Gant. For everything, for everybody, excuse me. Here I go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.